on this place by coincidence, especially this place. We were brought here for a purpose, for a reason, all of us. Each one of us was brought here for a reason. Brought here. And who brought us here, John? The island. Look, you want to push the button? You do it yourself. If it's not real, then what are you doing here, Jack? Why did you come back? Why do you find it so hard to believe? Why do you find it so easy? It's never been easy! It's a leap of faith, Jack. Two players, two sides. One is light, one is dark. I see you in another life, brother. We have to go back! We're going to need to watch that again. Hello and welcome to The Storm, a Lost Rewatch podcast for Season 2, Episode 17, Lockdown. My name is Dave Gonzalez, and in the game of mango poker, I bet I bet eight mangoes. My name is Joanna Robinson, and in the game of mango poker, I'm all in, baby, all the mangoes! And I'm Neil Miller, and I am putting in... For the purposes of summoning some sort of island magic, 108 mangoes. And then I'm going to just see where that goes. So many mangoes uh, and high stakes poker here on the store. I feel like I would get pretty far with 108. I mean, I know it's just a pile of fruit. Well, couldn't you get just as far putting in four? Maybe. Or eight? It it depends how good the poker, the hand is. Some exponential growth, yeah. If I put in eight mangoes and Joanna goes all in and then Neil goes all in with his 108 mangoes, I suddenly feel uh, not as good about my bet. But, you know, I'm going to have to show my cards. But maybe you're sitting on a cache of medicine and guns. (laughs) Yeah, for all you know. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to have to show my cards. Like, this episode shows some of the cards of the mysteries of the hatch. Yeah, that's right. I went there, sort of. And then also um, some more sad stuff about uh, Locke's past in uh, the episode Lockdown that we're talking about this week. If this is your first time joining us, maybe because you're spending some more time on your own rewatching Lost on uh, Hulu or Sky or what have you, uh, welcome. Uh, our podcast is split into two different sections. I'm sure you've heard by now by re- re-listening to previous episodes, but we have a fir- one section called The Call, where we will only discuss happenings on Lost up through Season 2, Episode 17, Lockdown, which is a lot of happenings. And uh, this episode, uh, there's a lot to talk about in the calm section. But then we will have a short break followed by what we like to call the storm or for storm of spoilers, where we will can talk about this week's episode in the context of all six seasons of Lost. If you have, uh, like all of us, seen all of Lost and are actually here for a rewatch. If you want to support us as a podcast, first of all, thank you for listening. Second of all, you can go to patreon.com slash storm of spoilers. And there we have some, uh, membership up ship options, uh, that give you some bonus content, bonus audio content, uh, access to our Slack, uh, watch alongs, uh, this week, uh, we all watched lockdown together in our Slack as a community, uh, because we were all on self quarantine. It was tons of fun. But that's not all. 
Joanna Robinson, I hear we have some very special content coming to our Slack, or our, our Patreon at patreon.com slash Storm Spoilers. It's a lockdown. All right. So, guys, if you're stuck at home uh, with your loved ones or or with people you don't love so much, uh, or, or like me, uh, no one but your pet, then maybe you want some uh, distraction uh, to get you through what's going on. So we've got... A fun little podcast mini series project that I'm launching with our friend of the podcast, Kristen Russo. You might know Kristen from, uh, her podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, uh, a podcast we did together called The Boiler Room about my so-called life or, um, an episode, a Star Wars episode that we did where Kristen hopped on and did a little segment called, uh, Kristen Russo tells Joanna Robinson everything she knows about Star Wars without having seen Star Wars. So. That proved pretty popular, actually. Uh, and it got Kristen to finally watch all of Star Wars, and she loved it. So we're going to do a continuation of that. Kristen Russo tells Joanna Robinson everything about uh, something that she hasn't seen. Uh, and and uh, our helpful some of our helpful listeners in our Slack came up with some topics uh, to see if Kristen Russo... Uh, they didn't know that this is what they were coming up with. But um, I just want to let you guys know that Kristen Russo doesn't know anything about... Lord of the Rings, The Fast and the Furious, James Bond, Star Trek, Mad Max, Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, Alien, Spider-Man, Avatar. I might have missed one, but, uh, so we're going to hit some of those topics in the upcoming weeks. So this is, this is going to be a bonus, uh, podcast content that you can get at our lowest Patreon level. So if you join our Patreon at the lowest level, lowest tier available, this will be a bonus episode that you will get uh, in your feed. Is it going to be two episodes a week? It might be. We haven't decided yet. Is it going to be one? Yes. Is it going to be every week? I don't know. Is it going to start this week? I don't know. It might be next week. We're feeling pretty loose about this. But just so you know, Chris and I are going to do a thing. Chris is probably going to be, you know, tweeting about some of the things that she's been watching. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun education. It's a crash course for her, but we are calling, we're not calling, I want to call it pop culture crash course. Um, but Neil Miller came up with a better, uh, better idea, idea for this. Neil, uh, what are we calling this mini series, uh, with Kristen? Hold on. I got to get the beat. Feels like the first time. The secret is Neil loves karaoke. Uh, yeah, we're calling it feels like the first time. Feels like the very first time. Uh, so you can, uh, get those episodes. I will give you a heads up when our first one drops. Um, starting soon, uh, on our, our yeah. super fun feed. So since it's a monthly thing, I think the safest thing they could do is go to patreon.com slash storm spoilers and join up at any, any, any level. Love it. Love to see it. Um, and so you can go there. We'll probably have some info, uh, over on our Patreon about it. Probably, definitely. Uh, you can go to our website, stormpodcast.com. That has a lot of helpful information too. You can follow us on Twitter at stormpodcast. That will give you a lot of fun updates. Um, and if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or feelings, or thoughts, or ideas of things that Kristen should maybe, uh, watch for the first time, you can email us hosts at stormpodcast.com. Uh, those are all good ways to reach us, uh, which is what, uh, these folks who emailed us this week did. Uh, this first email, we've got a bunch of emails for the storm. You guys have a lot of stormy thoughts, and that's good because for a lockdown, nah, <laughs> that's good. We'll get to those, but these are these are our calm emails. These are our spoiler-free emails. So this first one comes from Madeline, and it, the the email is titled "Social Distancing Rewatch." 
She goes, Hi guys, first off, I absolutely love the show. I started listening during the Game of Thrones days, and when you switched to Lost, I thought I'd try watching one episode a week since I hadn't seen the show before. Turns out, I don't have that kind of self-restraint, and I watched the whole thing pretty quick, and it's already cemented itself as one of my favorite TV shows ever. I'm currently not at work due to the whole coronavirus situation. I'm a teacher. My school is shut down until further notice. My younger sister is 13, so she's out of school as well. To help my parents, I took on homeschooling responsibilities since neither of us has anything else to do. Our current project is discussing how cultural culture influences movies and TV show and how it's different when it's an adaptation of something. We did this with Harry Potter series first. Now we're moving on to Lost. When I told her we were going to watch Lost next, she said, what's Lost? And I felt like the oldest person in the world. The good news is that she loves it already, and she doesn't even look at her phone when we watch it. It's pretty cool to see someone watch a show who has absolutely no idea what the show is about. She yelled out, it's a plane when we first see the beach. And yeah. later in that episode, when we hear the moss for the first time, she slowly turned around to look at me and said, what's going on? Her favorite character is John Locke, even though she thinks he's creepy, citing the orange peel incident from the pilot episode. Her theory for the show so far is that the Lossies are actually the French people from the broadcast in the pilot episode. They've just gone through a time warp of some kind and don't remember. I doubt we'll have time to finish the show before we both go back to school, but I'm pretty sure she'll continue to watch it. We'll just have to continue our conversations over the phone. Thank you guys for making such great content to go along with the show. So we got one. We got a Zoomer. Awesome. <laughs> Doesn't even look at her phone when I Lost mean, is on. Reaching out to the Utes. High, high, high praise. Um, all right. I have one more uh, email for the calm. This is from Kate. Uh, she's requesting I read this in a Michigan accent. And she says, it's okay by me if it goes a little Canadian or Minnesotan. I don't know how to do a Michigan it's, accent. I mean, it's really kind of Minnesotan. Uh, it's, like, it's like 75% Minnesota. Uh, I want to, I'm going to, I will try that at a later date. Okay. Kate (laughs) says, Kate says, first I have to say, I can't believe it took so long for iTunes to recommend one of your podcasts to me because I've been a pop culture podcast junkie since my lonely graphic design job in 2009 made us wear headphones all day. Now that I found you, I will never let you go. I didn't think I was a lost person. I only tried it back in its original run because I did youth outreach at the time and met this amazing seventh grader who was so into the show that she wrote her own episodes of it. Uh, this is a Joanna sidebar. I would love to read that seventh graders episode of Lost. Uh, she was constantly casting her teachers and friends in the show and she was always Kate. Uh, as she was a total badass because of her. I tried to watch the, uh, watch the show back then. Uh, but as this is the kind of show that is so layered and detailed, I couldn't keep up. I tend to get swept up in the mood and the music and relationships more than plot and shows. And I'm never paying enough attention to notice the clues. My husband and I decided to watch Lost with our friend who has seen it before. So we all have, we have all groups represented. I'm listening to the storm because I have no discipline. My husband is staying in the calm because he is not like me and loves figuring this stuff out. And our friend, of course, knows it all. I found so far that even listening to spoilers doesn't make much difference to me because apparently I have the memory of Dory and mostly can't remember what I've heard in the storm. <laughs> I chalk it up to having a strong visual memory. And since I can't, haven't seen these things yet, it isn't quite imprinted. We've just cut up to where you are in the rewatch and I'm guessing we'll work through it more than one episode a week because my husband will be anxious to see how it all comes together. I have to say that our experience watching the show is very much helped along by the love you all have for it. It has taken me a while to connect with the characters since it's such a plot-driven show. And my husband and I were both struggling with a focus on Sawyer, Jack, Kate in the early days. Now the show has expanded and made more characters interesting. I'm in to see how they figure out how to get along. I'm most curious about Locke. 
I was totally creeped out by him in the first season, but now that he's been pushed around by Henry in the last couple episodes, I'm so worried about him and want him to regain his confidence and faith. (laughs) 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 You've fallen for his trap. (laughs) My husband... That's just Dave's opinion. We disagree. My husband pointed out to me that Locke is like a little like my dad, which is totally disarming. And now my daddy issues are plaguing me along with all the characters on the show. <laughs> we all fall for your father's <laughs> trap. <laughs> Sorry for the long email, but I've been wanting to tell you for a while how much I love the approach to pop culture that each of you have. And it seems unique, at least compared to a lot of criticism I listen to. Maybe it's because you're all for coming from a place of fandom and are able to fill that out with really wonderful critical analysis. I keep telling my husband when I started listening to you all a few months ago that I was so amazed by insights and things that you all notice about shows that I've completely overlooked. I've been working my way through your backlog and started listening to the expanded universe of Storm Host podcasts. Meanwhile, all my old favorites are piling up in my listen now. I'm so happy to see the extra stuff that you offer your Patreon subscribers. And while I'm not good at, good at keeping up with the message boards, I love the special events and will be so excited to watch and bruise with you all later this month. It's a nice cons- uh, consolation since you're supposed to be at Disney World that day. Oh my gosh. Anyway, Kate, still among the fallen in 2020. So thanks, Kate. This is a lovely email. Uh, yes, if you didn't know, we will be watching in Bruges with our Patreon subscribers later this month. You can join them uh, and us at patreon.com slash storm of spoilers. And since those are two kind of longish emails, I will skip the review. We did get a nice review this week, but uh, maybe I'll save it up uh, for a later week. But you can always leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate those. Um, even though someone left us a review also for the Decoding Westworld podcast um, on our Storm of Spoilers account. That's fine. I'll read it in a future week, maybe. Um, hey, we have a Joanna and a Dave and like five stars. So I We'll take it. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, and like I said, we have many more emails for our storm section, but I let's get to this episode. Enough chit enough with the chitter chatter. Let's talk about lockdown. Neil, what happened this week on the island? Oh, I'm glad you asked. This week on Lost, uh, this episode was directed by Stephen Williams. It was written by Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. You may be familiar with their uh bylines. Uh it aired on March 29th, 2006, it takes place on day 61 on the island. In our flashbacks this week, John Locke finds out that his father, who had previously conned him out of a kidney, is dead. Except, he's not dead. That's a con. It's another con. This guy just cons everybody. Uh, he, he comes back pretty immediately and recruits John into another smaller con. Uh, and you know what? This time it has real consequences. At least now we know why Helen isn't around anymore. On the island, uh, at the beach, Jack decides that he's going to get the medicine back from Sawyer using his doctor poker skills, which I did not know were a thing. Uh, it works, and Sawyer is roundly humiliated in front of a large group of people. Later, Jack meets up with Kate in the jungle, and they find a bunch of Dharma food. Awesome. Uh, in the hatch, John Locke is having a totally normal one. Uh, he continues to do trust exercises with Henry Gale while also, try- while also trying to figure out a mysterious lockdown situation that came out of nowhere. To complicate things, he gets stuck under a blast door and must rely on Henry to punch the numbers. Uh, after some falling down occurs, uh, eventually the lockdown ends just as mysteriously as it started. But before it ends, John gets a really good look at some wild black light graffiti on the back of one of the black blast doors. The episode ends with Saeed, Ana Lucia, and Charlie returning to the hatch to expose the fact that Henry Gale is not who he says he is. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, fun fact this week. <laughs> Michael does not appear in this episode. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Michael. Um, 
Yeah, it's been a tough <laughs> Jack's run like, of... Jack tells Michael, we promise no one's forgotten about Walt, but definitely everyone's absolutely forgotten about Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I keep having to look up to remind myself when Michael actually comes back. If he comes uh, back. Because I... Yeah, if he comes back. Um, because I can't remember. I can't remember how long we go without any Michael. Even a mention of Michael. Anyway, uh, this week's calm question. Under what circumstances... Do you think you'd fake your own death? Like, what's like, is it like to avoid the government, to avoid uh, some sort of mob entity? Like, would you have to be organized crime? Um, what's, uh, what's your, maybe, what's your limit? Maybe, maybe it's like a recency bias, but I'm going to go for the outsider line where, if something supernatural has taken over my DNA profile and physical <laughs> looks and has started murdering children, it might be easier just to have Dave Gonzalez die off uh, than go through, uh, you know, trying to explain that to uh, the police. Wow. All right. Uh, Joanna, what's your, what's your threshold for I need to be dead? I need to be dead to the world, but <laughs> fake it. I... <laughs> I am, I feel weird saying this, but like I just think about that sometimes. I, I, I don't like <laughs> the bar is very low. Is. Tuesday next Tuesday is the bar. Like I don't want to traumatize. Bar is surprisingly low. I don't want to traumatize anyone. <laughs> like I don't want to make anyone sad if I'm dead. But also like the idea of a completely fresh start where nobody knows you is so like I would go wash dishes in like New Mexico somewhere um, or something like that. That's what I would do. Uh. <laughs> go do something with turquoise i would do something like really 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 mundane and it would be i think it would be in like new mexico i don't think it's because of the rent song santa fe i think it's because of <laughs> barbara king solver novels where like people were forever going to new mexico and just like working at tire shops or whatever it's because of newsies uh you it is because of christian mail uh have i ever wait have i ever done my like christian bale in newsies slash batman thing for you uh, no. <laughs> Please do. That sounds interesting okay, and specific. Um, I think my friend Amy came up with this. Amy, who's been a guest on the podcast, actually. Um, uh, we're, we definitely workshopped it together. Here's the deal. There's a part in the, in the film Newsies starring Christian Bale. Uh, he's singing about Santa Fe, as Dave mentioned, as, as the, as the dream place to go, uh, and start a new life. Um, and he, you know, he sings like Santa Fe, are you there? Do you swear you won't forget me? Okay. Uh, so <laughs> sometimes Amy and I just go, Santa Fe, are you there? Swear to me. <laughs> <laughs> worth it. Was it? Totally um, worth it. <laughs> um, wait, I have a quick question for Neil. Yeah. Where what, is he... it about faking his own death? No, where, oh yeah. What's your answer, Neil? Oh, um, I feel like it's this like one bad tweet. Oh, <laughs> you and I are like right on the edge. Let's be like, oh, oh God, I got canceled. Like if I well, made a, better not yeah, fight it. If I made a tweet so bad that I was sure that I was going to be canceled, uh, you, next day it'd be like, he's, he died in a horrific, uh, something I wouldn't do outside, like driving super fast accident. I don't know. If there's a way that I can fake my death that like won't make people sad or worried about me, and then I just get to like have the fresh start, um, <laughs> that's that's 
Yeah, you'll know that I did it uh, when the circumstances of my death sound exciting. Where it's like, <laughs> he died skiing down the steepest mountain. And be like, Bob, oh, no. It's he's like, ah, I don't think he was doing that. First of all, Neil would never willingly do that <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Neil died as he lived watching Letterkenny. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really the crucible person up here, being like, gotta, gotta keep my name for as long as possible. But <laughs> I'm like, burn it down, honestly. Um, yeah. No, here's my question for Neil. Uh, mm-hmm. you said John Locke was having a normal one down the hatch, uh, and it made me yeah. laugh. And I know that that's like an expression, an expression that definitely saw like a rise, uh, in 2019. But do you know where you, like when you're the person I know who uses it the most, like in real life. So do you know yeah. like where you got it when you started using it? No, I fit well. No. Okay. Uh, probably on Twitter somewhere. Yeah. Having a normal one. Uh, it's funny because it just means not having a normal one. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Having a public meltdown. <laughs> having a not normal time. Usually on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I feel it's probably, because uh, that is a fascination of mine is, is people who are tweeting through it. Obviously. Right. Right. Just, I, it's, it's, like it's Vanessa the magnetism. <laughs> right. Like the magnetism of that situation where somebody's just like, my decision, I, something terrible has happened. Not something consequential, but something that feels terrible has happened. And my, I'm going to live tweet all my thoughts. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> here's, um, a, here's the follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should start calling Jack Dr. Poker? <laughs> <laughs> I just love the, 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 the things Lost wants us to believe doctors are just good at all the time like the golf one makes sense because all doctor all surgeons and like the highfalutin doctors do is golf apparently that's a that's a joke that i've heard before cops and donuts doctors and golf right but it's like um although they're really losing to presidents at this point like in the real world presidents it's like shit presidents are way better at doing nothing and golfing than doctors um Shout out to doctors. But, um, <laughs> controversial opinion these days. Yeah. Shout out to doctors. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I didn't, I have nev- never associated being good at poker with being a doctor. Is it just like, oh, I'm just, a do- I'm a doctor, so I have money. So I have all these money related, th- the, I do these things that you have to have money to do. It's like classist, a, Jack. A leisure, a gentleman of leisure, do it. Scottish, Scottish people do it. Sure. You have, yeah, you have to have money in order to, um, yeah. I don't know why it's associated with doctors more than lawyers or like business execs, but it is anyway. Um, what an amazing episode of Lost, and this was like fantastic a, a episode, huge Lost. episode for like historically and Lost for like the mythology, just with the blast door. Like going to the hatch is a big deal, but just the blast or map alone, uh, just next levels the mythology, uh, on Lost. And, uh, I was funny. I was watching an, uh, an interview with, uh, Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse that they gave back in 2009, I think it was for the Writers Guild Foundation, uh, where they were talking about how it was between season one and season two that they really, really hunkered down and like started working out the mythology. Um, like season one, they had like some ideas, but between seasons they were like, okay, so like, 
but really, <laughs> what's <laughs> happening on this island? And I think you can really, really, really. And they also said, uh, which is something that I, I didn't know, and we'll maybe talk about a little bit more next week, but uh, at the beginning of season two uh, is when they really, really started lobbying for having an end uh, date to aim at. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is earlier than I would have uh, guessed. I would have guessed it would have come in season three. But anyway, um, but Dave Gonzalez, yeah. do you remember where you were when you first saw the Blast Door map on Lost? Where was I when I first saw the Blast Door map on Lost? Uh, it was in my catching up period uh, before watching like the entirety of the sixth season because my first like Lost memory was my. You know, family was watching it, and I didn't pick up until an event that I remember specifically from the third season. So, but uh, I will say that the image of Blacklight Door in Lockdown uh, does sort of represent, like, my favorite parts of season two. Uh, I like Locke's, uh, you know, problems ethically pushing the button and then in this case like physically pushing pushing the button uh those conflicts read really well to me in season two i like the over dump of mythology even though i was kind of making fun of it last week because they're about to in uh the past uh launch this huge lost experience uh that ends up not being super consequential but it's early days of internet marketing so i'm glad they're trying it and, uh, yeah, you have a episode where everybody is being shifty except for Kate and Katie Seagal. And you just, you latch on to those two people, uh, like moral rocks and get to watch the rest of Lost sort of go into tumult around them. It's a real so, strong episode for anyone named Catherine. Exactly. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah, and then I think it's sort of with a little bit of forethought that I don't believe the spoilers sort of kicks off the run to the end of the season, uh, which, uh, ultimately in this rewatch means the end of, I think, a period of time where we were getting a little, it's not the episodes weren't good, but we don't have an immediate thrust for the end of the season like we did at the end of season one, uh, where Boone and Locke discover a hatch and suddenly Boone dies and now we're off to the races with others and whatnot. Uh, I think now that we have our discussion of uh, Henry Gale in air quotes, uh, we get to call him now uh, coming to a head uh, on top of something like the blast door is really like a signal that uh, lost is ready to start giving us some answers, whether or not those answers prove frustrating is I think the ongoing mystery of season two of Lost. Uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil so much about that, but the, the lockdown's a big, a big uh, turning point for me in season two, and it's basically because we're out of the doldrums and we're into, into the final straightaway. Yeah, the stuff I like, the stuff you get freeze frame. Uh, speaking, I mean, oh, I, I, I want to get to the door, but I also want to stop and pause, uh, for Katie Seagal's The Best. Yes. Because we're, we're back in flashback town. And it's not that I don't like, uh, this lock flashback. It's just that it's another example uh, of a character returning to bad behavior in an episode that has a bunch of other more interesting stuff happening to it, uh, on the island. So Katie Seagal, uh, ends up, be in the rock of the episode because I will watch her do most anything. And 
it's her reactions i think that uh don't feel predictable because we know at this point we know Locke's pattern with his father and everybody on the island has like bad dads and the way that they sort of keep butting their heads up against their father figures like maybe this time it's going to work out and it doesn't so that kind of plays out like it's supposed to <laughs> but it's really Helen's we're never expecting of- any of these dad related storylines to go well and it no. doesn't <laughs> yep. uh, so having Helen's uh, story in there I think really adds that extra bit of spice to make it like non-repetitive and uh, I'm not sure it's as effective with connecting with the main storyline outside of uh, he's I don't know I think wise feeling down at the end of the episode I think what they were trying to get at was why John has trouble believing that Henry's not going to leave him is because he has some, let's, let's call them abandonment issues based on, you know, cause like, you know, Anthony Cooper, it, he said it, it, the end of the flashback is him sitting in a parking lot, having just proposed to a woman who has now left him for good or as far as we know. Um, and then his dad, <laughs> immediately follows by rolling off with a bunch of money that he just took from him and made him go through this whole thing to get. Uh, so yeah, I would say that it's fair that John worries about being abandoned in moments of crisis. <laughs> we can't really blame Helen uh, in this moment, right? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, this yeah. has been a long time coming for yeah. John and Helen. Yeah. She was very clear about yeah. her boundaries. And I think that's what, that's one of the things that makes it great is because, you know, we, we can, we can see the righteousness of, of what Helen does in the way that Katie Seagal performs, you know, like she just has this, um, I don't know. You just, you just really believe that when she's like, don't lie to me to my face, that, that, that's it, man. So she does this thing when he's talking to her in the parking lot. Uh, that at first I thought was her mouthing his lines, but she's actually like muttering to herself slightly. It's just such like a nice little accent thing where it's not like she's making full words and it's in close up. It's just her jaw and lips are moving in a certain way you could recognize as words, but just like fantastic grace notes. Helen, I'm glad you're back. I'm sad that every time you're back, something sad has to happen to you. And uh, John Locke. Uh, but maybe she's free. She deserves better. They both deserve better. Everybody deserves better than hanging around with Anthony Cooper. Yeah, Anthony Cooper, who makes me think that Neck Waddle is evil. That's something I also remember about this episode. <laughs> it used to be like, you know, not a big deal and just a sign of aging or whatnot. But his like little toothy smile underneath those cheeks and Neck Waddle. That actor is so good at making me just think that's like an evil smile. Like when he, when John shows up at the motel with the cash, his like smile when he opens the door, it's like, if I ever saw that smile in real life, I would just run away. Run away. You're about to get taken for thousands of dollars. It's just, it's so tragic to watch John and Helen because, like, you know that they don't end up together. And, we, and so, like, we still don't know, if because we're in the column, we still don't know how John wound up in the chair. That's still a mystery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, but, you know, another mystery was how did John go from being with Katie Seagal to, you know, begging a sex worker to like go to Australia with him or whatever. And, uh, a sex worker, he called Helen. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> God, that, it's funny how that gets sadder and sadder Every and time. sadder as the show goes along. <laughs> and so like, you know, this is, this is, uh, you know, a resolution of that but it's just like watching them so tragic because like katie seagal is such a prize and she likes john so much and when we meet john and walk about he's so defeated by life and you're like how'd you how'd you do that to yourself bud how'd you get there uh so yeah it's it's a tough it's a tough watch and like the truth of the matter is like you can blame anthony cooper to a certain degree but just like with any of these sons with bad dads you also have to like you know, John is responsible for the fact that he continuously lies to Helen um, mm-hmm. in a way that's frustrating. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not just that Anthony Cooper shows up and swindles him and that's really hard to get over. Of course, it is. But it's like every time Helen offers him an olive branch, he's just like, uh, no, I can figure out a better way to do this. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> I feel I feel bad for everybody with the bad parents. But then again, they also come up with real weird ways of of dealing with it. Yeah. Kate's is at least understandable because she goes to the dad she likes and he's like, I'm not your dad. And he's, she's like, ah, I blew up the abusive one, but everybody else, like, I don't, I don't know. Jack doesn't need to be following ghost dad everywhere. Just let, let yourself go, man. <laughs> Sawyer doesn't need to like make everyone hate him because his dad was not, I mean like dad, whatever. Yeah. I'm not saying just get yada, 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 get over your, your daddy issues because like parental issues are a real thing that like stick with you. But like, you know, there, there, you have your own shared responsibility in your own life. And like, it's just every time you watch Locke make a bad decision <laughs> that takes him further away from Helen, which just feels like the good path for him. And you're just like, buddy, I'm rooting for you. Don't do this. And it doesn't help that like, I mean, I don't necessarily always think of the flashbacks as like what that character was thinking about at the time. Though sometimes it's like last week it felt like they were going for that a little bit with one of the son cutaways where like mm-hmm. Kate is like son, son, and son's like gone because she's in her flashback, right? Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> it makes me feel like while John's leg is pinned under this goddamn door, while a peg of the door is inside of his leg, he's remembering the worst decision of his life, which led to him, like, he's, he's, can't help but remember this thing that he did. You know what I mean? That's what it feels like to me. Whether or not that's true. Do you guys, do you guys feel that way? That, like, people are remembering? <laughs> Their flashbacks sometimes it depending on the way they time it mm-hmm. sometimes it does feel like that's what they kind of want you to feel like especially as yeah. we get into i i definitely don't think that was the case early in season one because those a lot of those felt a little bit more not necessarily like plot, random those were like plot based where it's like, like exposition oh yeah. this person on yeah, the island is going to be good and you flash back you're like oh here's them being bad and then they slowly become good yeah i think that um you know, and, and this probably goes to what you were talking about earlier about how between seasons one and two, they built out the mythology. I do think they get more patient with the flashbacks and allow themselves to get into a little bit more depth. And I think that has something to do with it as well. And I think it, you know, ultimately, I, I actually kind of like it when they do that, when it seems like the character is remembering things. Um, I can't tell if that's, if that's like a shorthand 
for them? Like if that's like the easy way to do it or, um, you know, but it it works for me. I think it's kind of fun when it, but I don't know. It doesn't bother me that they don't always do it like that. No, no, no. It doesn't bother me. It's just like, that's, that's the sense that this episode gives me is that Locke yeah. has nothing to do, but sit, lay, lay on the ground pinned by the door and think about the worst, the dumbest thing he ever did. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. which is lie uh, to Helen. Who knows lie what's going Helen. on in John Locke's mind. Uh, there's some fun Easter eggs in the flashback. Uh, as Niels pointed out in the notes, the safe deposit box that John accessed in this episode is number 1516 or yep. 1516. Playing spot the numbers. It's funny because the, you know, we talked about the blast door, the blast door feels like one of the bigger early moments that I remember like going online to try and find some answers about lost. And it was because that shot of it's so quick. And then it was like, I had no idea what was written on in on any of that. And I think even, even at the time, like if you could get a screenshot of it, it still wasn't that great. So that I remember being a very fun thing to, to try and make guesswork out of like what, what all that says and you know then of course so correct me if i'm wrong here with my television history uh but we all lived through it so hopefully we together we come through it this would be a period of time where there's still uh, the differences between broadcasts of hd quote unquote which was full mm-hmm. 16.9 and uh the normal or sd broadcast which would still be four at three at this point yeah so we're still living in a world where that's transitioned. So if you're watching Although the I SD think, show, I imagine you're kind of SOL when it comes I to th- looking at the door. I think one of the things about Lost is that it was broadcast in HD. So it was broadcast in widescreen. Like, so well, if you had a square TV, you got bars. The only reason I remember that might not be the case is in one of Charlie's visions apparently when it was first broadcast that certain people didn't see the plane crashing oh. uh, because uh, of the non HD broadcast cropping. So you may have gotten bars, but they was still that back when you could zoom in on your TV where you could hit the like the little like boop, boop, button that had boop, gave the a little, little box or the little two X button that would zoom in and get rid of the bars. Boop, boop. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so but there were uh, yeah, I mean, at we're the time st- there were not any good screenshots. We're still no, at the at but we're still at the dawn of the screens got screenshot or or, or freeze frame generation. Yeah, yeah, of- we're mm-hmm. like we're pausing TiVo is what we're probably exactly. doing. Exactly, and so like yeah. yeah, you can't see. I mean, because there's a lot of shit on this map. Uh, so much, and you can't see it necessarily. But like they got a taste of it when they did the like big hatch. Right, the big hatch reveal was like the numbers on the hatch. That was mm-hmm. their like. I think they call that their like first TiVo moment or whatever. Um, and so I think that, you know, they're kind of, this is, this is just such a classic screenshot moment. This is like, if you have mm-hmm. to, if you have to do like the top 10 screenshot moments. Of, well, cause Locke, Locke is doing it in the episode. I know. He's like, Oh God, remember it all. Remember it all. <laughs> His little eyeballs going back and forth. So yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. All time. Great. We could talk about some of this stuff. Actually, we could talk about all this stuff on the door because it was in the episode. Yeah. And let's assume, you know, we're there. But uh, there's a lot. We don't know who wrote it. Some of it is in Latin. Uh, but there are, like, translations and stuff available. Let's say that people are watching the show for the first time and they're really curious about this door. We're looking at the door right now because we uh, can go on Lostpedia and find this door 
Uh, but that may not be a safe thing for people uh, who want to avoid spoilers to do. What's the super important takeaways from this door? The super important calm takeaways from this door? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, something that um, our calm listeners... So we did this live watch of, of the episode with our listeners, our Patreon subscribers on Sunday, which was really fun. Uh, and one of them, who I believe is a commie, at least one of them was like, oh, those are other stations, aren't they? So other other stations and the stations that we personally have been to uh are the staff station which is where we saw like all the all the hey i think that's our that's our first name uh the first time we get to name it because we just saw it saw it as like a medical station okay but but it's got the little it's got the little medical insignia on the door so i feel safe saying the staff station where where clay was um the arrow is where the tailies were, their little hatch. And I don't feel confident talking about, have we seen any of the other ones? Well, um, I we, don't know, think we, we know, we now know the name of the one they're in. R- oh, did we not already know that? The swan. We were guessing because of the image. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. It's in the orientation film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. The swan. Uh, but we have the flame that's new yeah. and has an icon with it. Yeah. So I feel like that's of importance. They definitely want you to be looking at that. But yeah, the other stations, uh. <laughs> so I'm just looking at what it actually looks like and I'm like, oh my God, no way. Like the staff, you wouldn't even necessarily be able to like tell that that's the staff, right? Like, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. But the flame. Yep. And but there are it- three, there are three other stations that don't have written names they kind of look like they have hieroglyphs or little symbols uh and one of them is crossed out in green yes one of them is crossed out in green and at the center of all this is a big question mark uh with a circle around it a yellow dotted circle and um thankfully on the map there's a little i am here on the swan station so we have uh orientation on the map that's uh, better than the orientation film in terms of placements. Um, <laughs> if you stop and freeze frame and get to look at some of the other uh, talking points, they're fun, uh, although kind of like stereotypical uh, you know, uh, person who has uh, obsessive mental problems ranting, I would say. <laughs> like if, if they were not necessarily written is- by someone who is super well. Exactly. If a yarn mur- murder wall is a trope, this is the hatch equivalent of the yarn murder wall. Uh, someone's trying to figure out all the stations and connections and says stuff like, there are dragons here in Latin, uh, save yourself from hell, uh, lift up your heart. Uh, so lots of weird stuff. But then there's also, of all the things that I'm sure nobody could tell, uh, this is uh, my favorite uh, Easter egg they put in there. Uh, stated goal, reparation, accelerated, accelerated deterritorialization of Ursus Meridus through gene therapy and extreme cri- climate change, <laughs> which I believe is our first explanation for the polar bear. Polar bear express. Um, wait, can, <laughs> can we each pick our favorite, like, nonsensical phrase that's on the, on the blast door map? Yes. I'll go first. Yes, go. A mouse does not rely on just one hole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But should I pick another one? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see. I got one. Yeah, yeah, go for the it. The disease worsens with the treatment. The remedy is worse than the disease. Whoa, bro! <laughs> and in this episode, we find out that Aaron is chill. He's okay. Jack says he's good. So, what does that mean? Station believed to have been abandoned due to AH slash MDG incident of 1985 or possible catastrophic malfunction of Severus system. Oh, that's not really what I meant by nonsensical, but okay. That's my favorite type of nonsense. Just complete nonsense. Um, yeah, so you mentioned, uh, Cerberus. Do you, Dave, do you want to float the, like, prevailing theory as to what Cerberus is in reference to on this map? Yes. So when Dumbledore wanted to protect the Philosopher's <laughs> uh-huh. Stone, yes. uh, Hagrid's contribution was a three-headed dog named Fluffy, which was an obvious reference to the three-headed dog that guards hell. Uh-huh. Cerberus. Cerberus. So, like, what, you know, what's, what's scary and is, maybe guarding things on the island so far as some sort of monstrous security system (laughs) and that maybe destroyed a station at one point according to nonsense writing if it well we know it was that if it wasn't uh ah mdg incident of 1985 (laughs) it's one of those two things that's what we know that's fine that's fine Anyway, the map is, is, uh, is an amazing, amazing lost moment. Just like, and like the thing is, this is the perfect, why, why this is like one of the most perfect, let me tell you why this is one of the most perfect episodes of Lost. <laughs> um, you already know this, but, um, the mythology stuff is great in terms of the map, in terms of like, uh, the food drop. In terms of, uh, Henry Gale being exposed as not Henry Gale, like all of that mystery stuff, in terms of like, all of that happening is, is really, really great and fun and intriguing. And it's paired with a freaking solid flashback. And even though like this flashback is a bit of a re- retread, we're like, oh, here comes Anthony Cooper, like fucking conning, uh, Locke again. Uh, as you say, David, it's made, it, it, feels so like fresh and good because of the Helen stuff. And so it's just like, it's so strong. And then even the B plot, which is mango poker is so strong. It's just good. <laughs> it's a good episode of TV, man. Yeah. Mango, but there's a moment where they're like, they're the, all the other losties, including some, I think new extras are watching Jack and Sawyer play mango poker across the beach and I'm like, I am loving this so much, but also what's happening down in the hatch. And that's that's the kind of pull I want uh, Lost to have all the time. Because sometimes they misbalance that a little bit where I'm just like, oh, g- give me more mythology. I don't need your dumb beach plot about you know, like who has the correct type of soap for somebody. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I'm very happy that that uh, Lost is kicking it, kicking it into overdrive. I mean, I guess the other, the other thing that makes this so strong for me or for anyone watching it is like the, we still don't, we don't know till the end whether or not we can trust Henry Gale, right? We're constantly questioning whether we can trust him. He's been so slippery, so fun. Um, and then with uh, Saeed and Ana Lucia and, and, uh, Charlie out in the jungle, it's like the tension is, is there because of that. Because then they like find the umbrella. So you're like, Oh my God, he was telling the truth. And then like, then you have that twist where they like show up later in the jungle and they're like, 
we need to talk or whatever it is. They're like, we found a thing. You know, it's like, <laughs> you don't, but you're as uncertain as Locke as to whether or not you can trust this guy and you keep going back and forth with Locke uh, on it. And it's just like, ugh, it's so good. Yeah, we're with Locke for everything except his dumb decisions in the flashback. They were just observing Locke. But otherwise, yeah, we're trapped under a blast door in a jungle of mystery for one week. And uh, hopefully we get to push through to some more answers because it's getting we're having a couple of episodes with some pretty unbearable cliffhangers uh that are making an episode by episode rewatch uh that takes its time a little bit painful but yeah imagine having to watch it live back in the day yeah. that would have been no that would be insane. torture and then if you'd have to like take weeks off for like reruns uh you know but you could go outside and be be close to people and <laughs> gatherings of more than 10 people in the so, before you know, four times yeah the the past was a was a semi-charmed life uh you guys want to do corners before we head into the storm uh yes. yeah the last thing i'll say is that there's there's a lot of claustrophobic like lockdown locked in cinematography in this episode like there's that mm-hmm. one shot from like inside the hat inside the vent like looking out at lock and stuff like that that it's just like a lot of low angles yeah. a lot of stuff shot on the floor yeah it's just a really well yeah. shot episode to amp up that tension and and um yeah so there you go. yeah also yeah. it focuses on some really like some of the best reaction givers of lost you know i mean i think you're t- uh you know john Locke is maybe one of the all-timers but when you get into these 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 measuring contests between jack and sawyer so sometimes good. you get some of the best reaction shots between those two because they're obviously in love well plus kate plus hurley yeah like, like plus kate egging him on you're gonna you have you have jack and hurley and kate and sawyer are like a team uh hanging out like making fun of each other and then mm-hmm. you know this guy who i don't know what we're gonna call him now what are we gonna call him fake henry quote unquote henry gale <laughs> quote unquote henry gale and Locke <laughs> doing their mind game shit gives, over here it's just ooh. And, and then saeed michael and emerson delivers like, the best one too yes, yes right at the end there and saeed and analysia are just like doing adventuring it's just like best use of everyone uh i also love that shot where it's like uh like why isn't it raining right here <laughs> like that's a mm-hmm. great moment um yeah anyway. sorry I don't, I don't have anything insightful to say let's do corners it's just a great like it isn't raining but i'm still moist i don't get it. <laughs> i can't believe you did it again <laughs> all right what's this week's jungle of mystery moment uh neil uh well it has to be the thing that we've been talking about a lot it is the blast door map i think it's safe to say uh if you give it a close look, it is some sort of mapping out of ideas and stations and other crazy nonsense. <laughs> so there you go. It's the map. I mean, it's, and I, again, another amazing reaction shot from Terry O'Quinn. Like just an incredible look as he's, he's trying to get this all in as his body is being crushed. Uh, the Boone Carlisle Memorial Falling Down Award uh, this week goes to poor Henry Gale, who tries to get up in that vent in the hatch pantry and does not make it. And uh, for a second, Locke thinks that he uh, might be dead. Yeah, he's it's no a bad Kate. fall. Yeah. <laughs> she does not does not navigate that but the fall thing, correctly. The thing about quote unquote Henry Gale in this episode is like, given the reveal at the end, we're like, 
what was true in this episode? Like, what even is true? Was the fall true? What did he do when we couldn't see him? Like, what was happening? Why was he so quiet the whole time? Yes. We don't know. Did the lockdown really end automatically? Nobody knows. Um, oh, but I do have to announce that we're changing one of our corner slash awards. Uh, so the Leslie Arts Memorial Ironic Statement Award, which came from way back from the Catelyn Stark Memorial Ironic Statement Award for our Game of Thrones rewatch, is being retired, uh, basically because it's hard to do ironic statements when half your audience has seen six seasons of the show. Yeah. Uh, that makes some of them very obvious. So we're changing that instead to the Henry Gale Memorial Obviously a Lie Award. <laughs> Uh, in honor of the real Henry Gale, who lays buried beneath his balloon on the island of mystery. Uh, this week goes to air quotes Henry Gale, who says, I am Henry Gale from Minnesota, and I crashed on this island just like you. Lies! Henry yes. Gale thus far, quote unquote Henry Gale thus far, has been pretty good at like personality diagnosing the people and then like prodding them uh, in certain directions, Jack and Locke especially. Uh, but like, yeah, he's really going after the power structure of Saeed, the hatch. Yeah, Saeed too, something like that. But like, he really underestimated Saeed, or maybe he didn't know Annalisa would take Saeed. But like, really underestimated. He's like, he's like, they'll see the grave and they'll buy my story. <laughs> That'll be good enough. <laughs> and so he's like, guess what, motherfucker? <laughs> Surely they would never dig up a man's body. <laughs> <laughs> or like, or, or like, well, if I say it's my wife, they would never dig up. Uh, this poor woman's grave, and say so it's like, oh, you have not met me. Welcome <laughs> to my island. Now. So it's like that is not how evidence works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think this category is going to have a lot of excellence in its future because it could go yeah. to like Sa- Jack <laughs> pretending there isn't a loop, like a whole bunch of stuff. Safe to say that people lie to each other a lot on the show Lost. Oh my god, Jack lying to Kate is so frustrating. And then being like, <laughs> little lady, can I walk you back to the beach? I won't let you in on what's going on in the hatch, but I'd love to take a little stroll We cracked a pipe. Uh, we're, dig- we're digging in the walls for the I'm pipe. I'm sorry, it's, but I refuse to there. believe that the plumbing broke on a magical island hatch. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> Uh, Joanna, why don't you take us into our Jungle of Kistory moments? Sure. So first, let's do our results from the last week's Jungle of Kistory poll. This was for, um, the episode, uh, The Whole Truth. And, uh, our, uh, n- nominees were Saeed and Ana Lucia, um, Rose and Bernard, The Thruple, Sun, Jin, and Jai Lee, and Locke and Towel Dry Jack. And I'm not surprised at all, possibly because I made a gift to go with the poll when I put it up, but uh, Lock and Towel Dry Jack ran away with this 45.5% of the vote. Um, uh, something I noticed when I made the gift that I didn't notice when I watched the episode is when Jack is standing there not bothering to like put the towel on his body, Lock gives him the old up and down, the old elevator eyes. <laughs> I was like, what the hey? Anyway. John Locke, always looking for the next way to exploit his opponents. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, Locke and Jack ran away with that one. So this week, uh, we have a few nominees. Dave, who's your nominee for the Jungle of History moment? I choose Locke, which in his uh, titular episode, probably not that uh, surprising a choice, but Locke and the map. 
Get it on. I'm, Kiss that map. <laughs> I mean, if you want to make talk out about, with this map, <laughs> if you want to talk about elevator eyes, uh, he's doing like the old back and forth eyes, right? Uh, for the map, he's looking at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, all it's up like and the, down. it's like the greatest thing he wants. Like you want some answers? Here's something you could only see for a second that you could barely decipher. Like, yeah, he wants to. That's that's John Locke's type of answers. John Locke, horny for answers. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, my nominees are Jack and Sawyer. And a ruler, or Jack and Sawyer in a pile of mangoes, whatever you prefer. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely the Poker Bros. Dr. Poker and good old Jimmy Sawyer Guns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and good old Sheriff of Nottingham over here. Um, so that is that is my nomination. Neil, what do you what do you nominate? Well, I'm taking, and I suggested, I believed <laughs> while we were live watching that. This trio should be the new Charlie's Angels in the next reboot. Uh, and that is Hurley, Libby, and Kate. Because I want to see them have more adventures together. And why not for Hurley? Why not? That's Libby, all I'm saying. Libby, Libby. <laughs> and why can't Kate be there? What's wrong with that? Nothing. It's fine. This is not, I think, a huge spoiler to say that we're going to get a lot of Libby next week. And that's pretty all right. Yeah. Um, and then the last uh, nomination comes from one of our Patreon subscribers in our Slack. Uh, this is from Kathy, and she nominated Locke and quote unquote Henry Gale. Obviously, she said. So remember when you didn't you didn't leave me? You pressed the button. <laughs> no, he says, I will never leave you. I'll press your button all the time. <laughs> he, says, he says you came back. <laughs> That's what Locke says to you. Uh, I mean, one of them. I'm not sure who, but one of them owes the other a life debt. I think. Or something. Um, uh, Henry's showing. I, I I couldn't stop talking about this in our in our live watch, but Henry is showing so much shoulder in this episode. I mean, so it's like basically they've patched his shoulder, but they've torn his shirt open in order to patch his shoulder, and he's just got his like his shirt is just dangling open the whole. So I'm I no new shirts. <laughs> I vote for prisoners of the hatch. Henry Gale gets a new shirt soon. I hope. Um, and then lastly, our last corner is our book club corner. This is usually Sawyer, uh, or Henry. Henry, though, has, is still reading the Brothers Karamazov, as far as I can tell. Uh, so we're gonna give the book club moment this week to Hen- Helen and her obituaries. <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna sit I always down. I like reading the obituaries. All right, Helen. I'm gonna sit down with my obituaries, you know, like I do. Um, on a Sunday morning or whatever. Anyway. I yeah, it's only charming when Katie Seagal says it. I used to read the obituaries when I was a kid. Like, sometimes. Like, because mm-hmm. it would be in, like, the Out of, like, a fascination. Section. Yeah. It's in, like, the yeah. lifestyle section or whatever, where, like, the crossword puzzle was and stuff. So, sometimes yeah. I would read the obituaries. Uh, and that's just, like, a... That's a most 2000-whatever-six moment of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the paper. The paper. Paper with obituaries. <laughs> with obituaries. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sawyer didn't have enough, he didn't have any time to do any reading. He was having enough trouble reading Jack's poker face. Oh, snap. What a humiliating loss for Sawyer this week. He just gets dunked on the entire time. And all the way up until when Jack's just like, yeah, Jack's like, I'll come get the guns. Yeah, I'll go, I'll get the guns. (laughs) Yeah, so we've got a little, we, um, a very vocal contingent, uh, in our live watch, uh, really does not like Jack. And I have like my issues with Jack. I'm hot and cold on Jack. That's how I feel. But I feel like if you're gonna flex, I'm, I'm just gonna give this one to Jack. You can flex on the guy who like pulled an elaborate con involving like injuring son in order to steal all the medicine and the guns. Like, 
Jack's yeah. allowed to, you know, dunk on Sawyer there. Yeah, this is this is one of Jack's more, righteous. I guess, righteous yeah. and yeah, heroic yeah. moments when it's like, oh, this Jack being a stubborn dick about everything uh, actually came in handy this time. Good job. Yeah, if you're going to divide Jack into likable Jack and not likable Jack, the poker Jack's likable Jack. The lying Nikita about the plumbing jacks, the not likable exactly. jack. So if he wants to go play poker, I'm all for it. Doctor yeah. Poker. I'm, ag- Doctor I'm poker. against keeping secrets, Jack. That's my <laughs> least favorite version of Jack. Uh, on the official Lost podcast this week, uh, nothing super great. Matthew Fox uh, was listening to a lot of uh, cigarettes at the time. Super interesting, uh, but nothing that I feel like we necessarily need to share with you here uh they mostly just were making sure that everybody saw the important things in this episode actually you know what i didn't bring this up before uh and they do bring it up on the podcast so we should say it here yes that's nadia uh oh, yeah. in Locke's flashback mm, so we got one. another crossover back in the flashback uh might be difficult to remember because i think we've seen nadia and saeed's flashback and in saeed's photograph uh, but it's been a while. So that was definitely Nadia. Uh, at some point, got to America. Seems to be doing okay. Also, we'll catch- still single. It's uh, still single. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll catch up with her later. Nadia, uh, still single. <laughs> still single. <laughs> um, also, I mean, if you're interested, that is Matthew Fox's real tattoo on his shoulder. So I think, isn't this yeah. the first time that someone has like, called out the tattoo? Yeah. And it was like, yeah, look at that. Sa- Sawyer charitably calls it shoulder art. <laughs> That's not what I would call it. We'll <laughs> get to that one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to more tattoos uh, on future call episodes. Uh, but until then, it's time for the storm, which we'll get to. Now is the time on the podcast where we like to thank our small council subscribers, our $10 or above Patreons. They get to watch movies with us and hang out with us and get bonus episodes they're the greatest we will start with some newbies emily ann lauren adams heather carpenter daniel aaron seagal greenberg caleb mckee aaron glorick paula silva chris bisgard nate lulu allison heishman andrew bird not that one jen kelsey lee measure Alex, Matt Polari, Peter Hobson, Lisa Romney, Felix DeSelvi, and Lawrence Medina. Thank you guys so much. And I would like to add to those thanks. Serafina, Cobine, Justin Way, Aubrey, Amy, GF, Lorenzo, Siandra. Nice. Dave L. Thank you. Michelle Boucher, uh, Amy Schreiner-Thomas, Shannon... It's Comeow. I do that again. I'm going to do it every time until someone cracks me. Shannon Comeow. Comeow down and tell me how to pronounce your last name. Rachel. <laughs> Scott McNeil. Monica Wolf. Chris. Jesse Baird. Fainting Violet. Becca, he- Becca Heiser. Andrea Rodriguez Garcia. Lindsay Mitchell Ernissi. Josh Kaluza. And Lex Gernon. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I would like to thank the following fine members of our small council. Ryan James, Emma Maltz, Violaine, Kelly Donahue, Abby Ademchek, Michael Weir, Melissa Shippey, Michael Mora, Lewis Walker, Adam Barnum, Claudia Davis, Chip Mims, Annette Monery, Monery, Anne Heisek, 
Hisek? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Julie Mahoney, Brian Ohm, Will Wallace, Vic, Kenny Malone, and Cecilia Nilsson. Thank you all so very much. We're back for the storm. Ben. Uh, ben, the Ben. We're Ben for the Ben storm. I guess this like, no, no, no. We still have a couple more weeks of that. Of quote unquote Henry Gale. Super fun. Those are going to be. Um, uh, we have storm emails. Are the storm emails things that we should cover before or after? Or just like we talk about other questions we had. Let's hit them before. Why not? Let's hit them now. All right. So one of them was sent weeks ago and it's a miracle. I left myself a note in the past to remember to read it now, and it worked because Dave reminded me. All right, Scott writes, I always loved your guys' show, even through the season eight, season eight Game of Thrones days. Uh, <laughs> That's a shared trauma we all have. <laughs> Scott writes, personally, I find the hieroglyphics in the hatch one of the most frustrating mysteries in the show. Now that we know the answer to what is the hatch, it's venting the roiling electromagnetic buildup from the incident, we realize it doesn't really have any connection to the other Egyptian iconography on the island. All those structures, like the donkey wheel, the statue of Tourette, all those structures were built pre-Dharma Initiative and likely pre-Jacob, but the hatch was built after the other Dharma stations, and no one who built the ancient structure islands were around for it. The incident doesn't relate to the other Egyptian elements, nor does it have anything to do with the underworld. They were just digging at a random spot looking for this quote-unquote source. So what is the point of putting hieroglyphics in the timer? Was it trying to make the hatch's origin more supernatural? Was it an intrepid Egyptologist amongst the Dharma builders who wanted to give people something to, fun to look at before they explode? It seems that the creators are trying to cram as many Easter eggs into the show, driving its fans to desperately hypothesize on then nascent fan sites, but using hieroglyphics makes the strangeness of the hatch a case of mystic orientalism, trying to imbue something with supernatural vibes just because of its Eastern language. I just wish they had actually looked before they leaped, knew what the purpose of the symbols were, and didn't just throw mystery spaghetti at the wall to see what stuck. What do you think? Man, mystery spaghetti is a good one. Uh, ain't it? Yeah. Because it is kind of mystery. <laughs> this is like a really good example of that, where it's like, I bet I'd be willing to bet in their minds, which is always weird, bet to make on something, um, that to them, those two things are tied together, the hieroglyphs in the hatch and the other things that we find on the island later. But the show is never going to explain that. It's just like, oh, well, we have these hieroglyphs and they're in a couple different places and eh, mystery. Uh, yeah, there's always, I mean, you say mystery, I say this is why we need Lost 2. There's a whole bunch of like... <laughs> like what happened like, with in the, the 80s? You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, that or like, because um, uh, yeah, there's that incident in 1985 at the whatever station that's uh, referenced on the door and whatnot. And then the whole idea of this island, you know, being ancient... And also retaining some of those things and some of those connections because the people on it are always like leaving parts of themselves. I don't know if that has like any sort of weird connection, but then also the the thing that I think I could explain it away. Although I think that the answer is mystery spaghetti 
and um, Orientalism, as it was, uh, you know, nicely pointed out, mystic Orientalism. Um, <clears throat> the I, it is possible that since that um, station uh, is linked to electromagnetism, is linked to time, that at some point the Dharma Initiative did sort of like poke into the Egypt world by accident. We don't. We know how the Dharma Initiative ended, but we don't know the extent they got on all the experiments before they got all gassed. Yeah, and I guess we don't necessarily know that they didn't see some of the other stuff on the island, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure they would have had to. They couldn't have missed the Bigfoot. Right, right. (laughs) Even if they didn't go inside of it, uh, they couldn't have missed the Bigfoot. Um, Yeah, the. If I had to guess someone in the Dharma Initiative who, like, did that, <laughs> I'm going to guess it's the character of Oldham. I don't know if you guys remember that character played by the great William Sanderson of uh, New Heart and Deadwood fame. Um, but he's the guy uh, in the episode, he's R.U., who tortures Saeed by giving him acid. <laughs> so I feel like <laughs> he's, like, living in, like, a blanket uh, teepee that he's built for himself out in the jungle. So, like, I think mm. I think this guy is, like... What if we do hieroglyphics, man? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so Dharma. Or just like doesn't doesn't tell anyone. They're like, you build the clock. He's like, right on. Right on. <laughs> I'll build the clock. <laughs> I got just it. Take some ayahuasca. <laughs> yes. <laughs> figures it out. I think the ayahuasca no problem. Did it. The ayahuasca did yep. it. But I think the real answer is mystery spaghetti. So, and I really hope we remember that phrase because I just want to use it for the rest of um, the show. Right. Yeah, we got a lot of mystery spaghetti coming up, there so there'll be lots of opportunity. It's a um, real Dharma macaroni and cheese of mystery. <laughs> um, all right, the two hundred thousand dollar question. Luke writes in. I know this episode is one of the best in the show's history for setting up a million great questions with a ninety percent answer rate. Eventually, but this time around, I'm real fixated on a pretty relevant one. What happened to John's share of the flashback money? It doesn't seem from other flashbacks that he has like two hundred thousand dollars sitting around. Do we think he left it as a tip? took it or after lock run after helen his father put it back in his bag uh all best luke and my answer to luke is anthony cooper a thousand percent took that money what do you guys think? yeah i think anthony yeah. cooper had that money like the second john walked out that door <laughs> he's like well i would say maybe the second he walked out the door but also because he's a dick uh like the second helen says no he runs back inside and he's like Ugh. all right yeah, now no, I feel like cap. he was doing it while the whole, cause he, like all of us, would have been standing there being like, no, John, John, this is a no. horrible time to propose. <laughs> yeah, this t- bad timing, bad, bad timing. But, uh, no, he was in there getting the uh, rest of that money. All right. So this email is from Marlon and it has to do with our discussion of Richard Albert from last week. <clears throat> he says in an email you guys read from Pat, you asked why Richard Albert wasn't the leader on the island. Richard Alpert was the leader. In the storm, you guys mentioned the season five episode titled Jughead, where Locke and his crew travel back to the 1950s. In that episode, Locke speaks to Richard Alpert and tells him he's from the future. You guys neglected to mention that indeed Richard was the leader at the time. Even when Faraday shows up and people point their guns at him, it's Richard who orders them not to shoot. I don't think Widmer was the leader at that point, and obviously Ben wasn't born yet, so yes, Richard was the leader of the so-called others. The real question is, why did he stop being the leader? And for that, I have a theory. In that Jughead episode, Richard, who 
who is immortal, becomes shocked and is in disbelief that time travel is possible. Locke is the first time traveler that Richard has ever met. I'm sure after that encounter, Richard then went to Jacob and said, hey, I just met a time traveler who told me that he's the leader of this island. Jacob then probably wrote that man's name on his cape wall and was like, we got to do something about this or maybe allow it to happen. That's what probably triggered Richard to relinquish leadership and seek out new ones, probably with Jacob's guidance. This is from Marlin. Um, I think that's a good clarification that it does seem like Richard is the leader. Like uh, Richard. He's the leader of, of, of like the other others, right? He's never the leader of like the, in the way that Ben is the leader of like the people, well, but, the, but they the do take before over Ben. Yeah. And then uh, at one point it seems like, um, uh, Eloise is the, I don't know, like, Richard's protecting Eloise in a way that makes Eloise seem like she's a leader. Maybe she and Winmore are co-leaders or something like that. Um, but this idea that maybe Richard was the leader before uh, Winmore and Eloise and the hmm. timey-wimey uh, stuff <laughs> made him step down. I don't hate it. I'd, I I would love more clarification from folks who understand better. I'm not, I'm not distressing Marlon. I think he's maybe right. It's still the hierarchy is still confused. I would like an org chart. I would like a workflow org chart, please. <laughs> Jacob at the top and others org. <laughs> yeah. I well, isn't there a point where there is the point where the others take over the Dharma camp? Yes. From the Dharma people. But there's also so, the temple others. <laughs> so. Yeah, gosh. Well, TBD. We'll just we'll put a pin in that like, one because like for Doge, forever. Dogen is in charge of the temple others. Uh, mm-hmm. and then like Cindy's hanging out with them, but then we also see Cindy like elsewhere in the others. So like the temple others seem fluid with the other others. Uh, cause Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is in the temple. He's also at, uh, the Hydra station. Car- he's holding yeah, Carl. He's holding yeah. Carl. So the, the, uh, the temple others seem fluid with the other others, but like they have their own leader. So anyway, Dogen of the temple is on the org chart somewhere. So honestly, genuinely, <laughs> if someone wants to sketch us a like blast door map, uh, version of the others flow chart, uh, org chart, I would, I would love. Who leads the others pyramid scheme? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So this email comes from Amber. Um, and Amber writes, uh, sorry, one second. Let me pull it up. Amber writes, okay, I, I can't read. Okay. This is too long. I'm so sorry, Amber. I read a bunch of long emails this episode, but Amber, uh, wrote this like lovely story of how she met her husband on a lost forum. Uh, Aww. and. I'm gonna I'm gonna bookmark this to read in future because we've just I've I've spent too much time with emails and I'm so sorry Amber because this email is so good but I just want to let you guys know if you're listening right now and you're looking for love in the time of coronavirus maybe <laughs> Lost and and the Storm Slack is like where you will find your partner your partner in Mango Poker the the bed line mm. is to your John Locke um, all right. Um, getting better maybe that's yeah <laughs> tell your friends though helen the so helen that they'll that tell their friends the helen that you won't let down yeah well, I'm, not, I'm not trying to upsell you i'm just saying like there's there's I but think, also well i think meeting someone through a fandom <laughs> is a really great way to meet a partner i think that's a great yeah you know so it's uh, good 
Yeah. So anyway, that's that's I, I will read Amber's full love story at some point, but um, I'll make a note for myself. But I just thought that that was really lovely. And I wanted to say thank you so much, Amber, for sending it in. OK, this is going to be the last email I read. Come hell or high water. It's from Grant, uh, our pal Grant. Um, this one's about Widmore. He says, uh, I wanted to point out something around your discussion of Charles Widmore possibly sending Desmond to the island. This goes to Ellie, a.k.a. Miss Hawking, seemingly knowing everything about Desmond Hume. The reason she has intimate knowledge of Desmond's life and time travel physics has to do with Faraday's journal, which she acquired when she accidentally killed him in 1977. As we know, at the same time, Charles Widmore was romantic with Ellie after all the Faraday's parents. Through her appearance and flashes before your eyes, she knows Desmond was on the island pushing the button. That's because Faraday must have recorded that information in his journal, along with a bazillion other things about the future. We also kind of think Widmore must have had some knowledge of Desmond due to him being a complete dick to Desmond and keeping him and Penny apart, even though he really has no ill will toward Desmond. Um, he also seems to have some curious knowledge of what's happening to Desmond in the constant. He leaves the water running after Desmond confronts him in the bathroom. He's also happy Desmond is all right after he's shot in the variable. Based on this ancillary evidence, I think Faraday may have known how Desmond got to the island, raced around the world, and recorded it in his journal. Then Ellie gets her hands on this journal, and they enact certain things to ensure events take place as needed. At some point, we probably need to reckon with how much Ellie and Widmore knew and what they chose to do with that knowledge and why. You can obviously get into some wacky shit regarding prescient knowledge of the future. Uh, there's the we can't escape the future, we actively work toward that future kind of rhetoric, which obviously is addressed in Season 5. TLDR, I think Widmore knew that Desmond got to the island through a race around the world. He's sponsored via Faraday's journal and so decided to start sponsoring that race around the world. Hope that all makes sense. Grant. Um, I just watched those episodes. I don't know if I mentioned that last week when we were talking about it. I just watched those episodes. I am of the mind that Eloise never told Widmore about the journal. Um, but your mileage may vary on that. We'll get to that, I guess in a couple of years, but, um, <laughs> But Ellie definitely knows things. Uh, Eloise Hawking definitely knows, like, the reason she knows so much is because of Faraday's journal. Because there's the point when she says, for the first time, I don't know what's going to happen next. Because she's reached, like, the end of Faraday's journal, basically. Because he's mm -hmm. dead. But I don't think Widmore knows everything that's in Faraday's journal. Because uh, he, he and Eloise were, like, breaking up at the time. She was already pregnant, <coughs> and they were breaking up. Anyway, this is I wouldn't future put it against Eloise, though, to manipulate Widmore to make sure her son's constant is where he needs to be. You know what? I wouldn't put anything past Eloise Hawking, so I won't disagree with you there. Yeah. Good emails. I like those emails. We got a lot good, more, good job, so thank you guys. Yes. Everyone, keep keep writing them. You guys have been asking for more Storm Conversation. These are really good prompts for Storm Conversation, so I appreciate it. Uh, P.S. Send us that org chart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, back, back to the door, as I was reminded by you guys before we started the podcast, this is, uh, Rosinski's door that, that he made with all of his ridiculous ramblings, and, uh, the Cerebus activity has vents implying it's the smoke monster. Yeah, there's a bunch of CVs around the map, and that stands for Cerberus Vent, which is, like, the way in which the smoke monster, we see him come up through it i don't want to gender it we see it <laughs> come up through like holes around the island sometimes so the good old the good old cerberus good old vets. uh the real quest the real mystery of the map this is the, this is a little bit of mystery spaghetti 
because they do do a good job of explaining a lot. You know, they come back to the map. We see the map getting painted and stuff like that. Um, but why, and, and Kelvin's doing some of it, but why is Radzinski making the map when he was in, like, there's a bunch of stuff that's like question mark, mystery, blah, blah, blah. But like Radzinski was in the Dharma initiative and was like building those. He designed the Swan Station. So like, why does he not know certain things? That makes no sense. About the certain stations? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He's like well, alleged, it- alleged flame station, I think, or whatever, when like he was living at the flame station at one point. So. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess that, yeah, it's mystery spaghetti, but the way around it would be like, yeah, it got added onto, right? So maybe he drove, drew like the flame icon or something. And- or maybe he was just trying to track the, the smoke monster stuff and then somebody else. Uh, what's his name would have come through and done like the stations later. I don't oh, know. so the I am here would be a Kelvin thing versus uh sure the Radinsky thing would be like the the vents and the underground tunnel and the mm-hmm. pa- well because <coughs> mm, pardon me he what happens to him did we just see him die Radinsky yeah yeah he dies uh he kills himself. Right, right. So he wouldn't be the type of person that was like possible event in 1985. That would have to be Kelvin. Right. I guess like the explanation has to be all the stuff that doesn't align with him is like stuff that Kelvin did after Radzinski killed himself. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the weird thing is like Kelvin, Kelvin says that Radzinski has photographic memory. And that's because you, when you see them, uh, like doing the map, it's they're doing it blind right they're drawing it on the they're drawing it on the hatch door without the black light so they're just drawing it mm-hmm. uh and i don't know what i can't remember what they're using for some reason i thought it was like laundry detergent but that makes no sense you can't see laundry detergent <laughs> under a black light can you using lemon juice you up? paint on the steel door <laughs> okay um anyway uh yeah, they were, yeah, paint that would fluoresce under black light. Because uh, I guess they had that lying around. Um, and so they were drawing it blind on the blast door, which is so confusing. But like, okay, sure, I'll buy that Radzinski, that annoying asshole, has a photographic memory. But like, what about Kelvin? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Does Kelvin have a photographic memory as well? Like, the, who picks up the, the cause? I don't know. So. Well, can't he just trigger lockdowns? Oh, Dharma laundry detergent was at least one of the substances used as paint on the map. Okay, thank you, Brian. I didn't make up laundry detergent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, good. It worked out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, is there, what other do we ever learn specifically if Ben did the buttons? Uh, right? Because it, later on it becomes like sort of a question. Like, did Ben do anything because he taunts Locke later on. Well, the the blast door is triggered when the food drops. Like that's when right. it happened. Because whenever the because you want to like make sure that the people in the hatch don't try to go outside when the food drop happens. I don't Correct. remember why. Fake because well because they think they're quarantined. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Uh, so that's why that triggers. I think he does do the numbers because like. He knows, Ben knows everything about the hatch. We talked about this off air, but we believe that Ben knows everything about the hatch, right? 
he's he's they've got uh the pearl station is monitoring the hatch um yeah i think the in-universe answer is that ben knows about the hatch did the writers know at this point that ben knew everything about the hatch i don't it's hard to know like at what point did they decide that he was going to be well, I also you know, think- a character that comes back, uh, that, that sticks around rather than just a couple episodes. It's. Oh, actually, I, I know the answer to this sort of, which is, um, on the official podcast, uh, which, uh, they were, it aired in between lockdown and Dave. Uh, they were, they said they were tired because they had, were working on the season finale at that point. So while Dave was airing, they were writing the season finale. Or, so we they at this point they don't know they don't know Ben's Ben. Yeah. So when they wrote it they didn't know that, but I think that's a good in-universe explanation which is even though Ben uh I think it, the the taunting John is he tries to tell John that he didn't push the buttons, right? Later. Right. So uh, that has just been being classic well, Ben. I also think he he goes missing like he's he takes his time, right? Yeah, it's weird yeah. that he doesn't come back right away. Well, I think he's uh, tippity tapping a message on the computer. Right? Oh, horse, <laughs> Walt, uh, bring bring Michael back and make make him kill someone and <laughs> free me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, send Michael back. Yeah, send could Michael be back. A thing. Yeah, to get me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, They're on to me. Or he knows that the other station can see him, so I don't know if he, he knows. I don't know if there's somebody through, at that station. Uh, charades. Yeah, maybe he writes it on a paper and holds it up or something. I don't know. Ooh, a paper holds it up. That's nice. Do you guys want to hear the unanswered questions that are on the Lostpedia page for the Blast Door? Mm-hmm. Let's. This is the mystery spaghetti of the Blast Door. Okay, I already redressed this one. Why would Radzinski, a central figure in the Dharma Initiative, need a map? Why would he call the flame in a legislation when he himself had worked there in the past? Why was the map hidden? Why was it deliberately created to be visible only in black under black light conditions? Why are several stations drawn in dotted lines? Why do the straight lines connecting the various stations? What do the straight lines connecting the various stations signify? Might the lines symbolize an old Dharma tunnel system? What is this Cerberus event? We talked about that one. What is the significance of the Latin phrase? What are the conduits referenced by the map? Why is the writing above the arrow station crossed out? What is code 42? Why is the C3 location untenable? Why is there a room next to the Swan station that isn't attached to anything else? Uh, there, uh, anything else is there are X's in all the entry points. Is the X'd out room next to the Swan station an abandoned laboratory for electromagnetism? Do Latin phrases ever have some sort of relationship to how the hostile slash others speak Latin? So these are all the mystery, the unanswered mystery spaghetti of the, uh, of the door. Yeah. There's a lot of nonsense on here. Fun. We'll have to, and then slowly, uh, all of our other listeners will get to learn that there were no answers. There's a lot of answers though, right? Yeah, that's true. The stations are there. Question marks there. This is not just like the, the, the map itself is not just mystery spaghetti. Let us be clear. Right. Uh, I mean, I think they thought all of these were answers when they made yeah. the map. It just it didn't end up that way because of storytelling reasons. But I would say, like, yeah. let's say, let's say there are fifty notations on this map. That's not true, but let's say there are. I would say at least thirty 
are followed up on. And 20, they were like, well, we never got to C3 or like whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think 42. you can even, you can subtract a lot of the Latin phrases because those, I don't know, those don't seem relevant. It's there for atmosphere. I mean, well, they're there like to show that the people who made this were of deteriorating emotional well-being. You, know? you can see the like. Everyone they still... knows when you start scribbling in Latin, right? Like when you, you, when, you when you scribble, I think therefore I am depressed <laughs> in Latin. You've um, really reached sort of a new low. <laughs> Cognitive, the worst. Yeah, right. all the like hell stuff though, and you know the biblical stuff that's in the second season in general. Like, I think the writers still think this is going to come to like a vaguely religious conclusion. I don't think they think like you know. They're All still playing with the idea, church. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're like, maybe, you know, maybe we are going to have to deal with the heaven and hell question on this show. It seems like it's a possibility still at this point. But yeah, the as the Medusa Corporation became the Dharma Corporation, uh, this version of the Dharma Corporation gets super complicated by, uh, like, with the island jumping through space and uh, time travel, uh, because those are cool things they come up with uh, that I don't think they know about now. Apparently Rudzinski is also the person who edited the film. Rudzinski, you're up to a lot of bullshit in that hatch, uh, is what I have to say. Maybe that's what I should change uh, the when, when I kill myself for. <laughs> uh, like, like you know, like, fake my death is if I, ju- if I am going to fake my death, like, you just got to tarnish the Dave Gonzalez name, which is like all this erratic <laughs> behavior, paint some maps, Cut the second act out of all the movies I like, and then disappear. <laughs> I think you should like create a supercut, like your own like Hobbit supercut, some some sort of like weird Topher Grace type uh, meltdown. Is like- I it's a legitimately have <laughs> thirty minutes, <laughs> and it's all the Lord of the Ring movies. <laughs> I have an hour long cut of Amazing Spider Man Two that does not involve the Green Goblin or Dane DeHaan, and I still think it's the best version of that movie. Uh, and watch it occasionally. So we're not that far off. I'm, I, I, I get you, Rosinski. <laughs> I, I, I could be you one day. Um, all right, guys. Uh, in, oh wait, Neil, Neil, where are we going next? Oh, Dave, guess what? <gasps> what? I'm sorry. Next week we're going to Dave. Oh, Yay! Sorry, we finally Dave. came to the first episode that's named after one of our podcast hosts, but only through time travel. Uh, well, we, we've had jo- Joanna went swimming. Right. And I show up next week and we gotta keep an eye out for a Neil. I think yeah. there is a Neil. I'm pretty sure there is. Somewhere. I think it's the Froger. Isn't the Froger guy actually named Neil? I don't remember. You know is I mean? it Neil Froger? Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, Neil Froger. I mean, that's, that's soon. It's wow. Neil Froger. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a Hurley episode as, uh, since we're in the storm, many of you will remember. Uh, it is, I would say nah. It's it's known not not one of the better remembered, uh, well liked yeah, episodes. I think I think because it's not like it's not got the best uh, like mental health and also yeah. fat shaming. So yeah, yeah we're gonna it, have a it's time. maybe not <laughs> maybe not the worst episode of Lost because I think we all know what that one is. Uh, but it definitely is one of the ones that has not aged quite as well as some of the others. Excellent. So until then, uh, well, I guess not excellent, but 
we'll get through it together and the episode's <laughs> named after me it'll so be fine hurley's in it it'll be fine yeah that's right it's a hurley episode uh where can people find more of your work online joanna robinson uh you can find me on vanityfair.com i am in full westworld swings so you can find me on the still watching podcast and decoding westworld talking about westworld and mr neil miller uh, well, you can always get me on Twitter at rejects and over at filmschoolrejects.com where, uh, I believe next week we're going to be rolling out uh, a bracket because it's still March, even though there's college basketball doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and it's going to be called one perfect binge. And it's going to all be all about what is the perfect binge watch, like the most perfect binge worthy show. So it's going to be fun. Nice. Yeah. And I'm uh, Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. Uh, I think I'm going to have something at Polygon.com up at some point uh, to help you rewatch the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I got some tips uh, going for that. And then I'm also on the Fighting in the War Room podcast, which is going strong in <laughs> these social distancing days. I am the one member of the podcast without small children at home. Oh, uh, wow. So... I'm uh, allowing all these people the space to talk about whatever pop culture or social distancing things they need. Hopefully, there's some information there to help you. It is wherever fantastic podcasts are found. And, of course, I will be here next week reminding you in the episode with my name to not fall down. <laughs>